Good morning once again and happy Sabbath. All right, yeah, you can hear me a lot better now. <laughs> that is so good. You know, how many of us appreciated uh, the special music just now? Amen? Yeah. Amen. Thank you so much, Matthias. I had no idea. There's so many gifts and talents in this church. I'm still discovering all of them, so that's amazing. <laughs> uh, thank you so much. And how many of us appreciated the children's story too? Amen? Yeah. That was so beautiful. You know, my wife has never said the words like, you know, when you sing, you sound like a frog. But I appreciate that story because, like, you know, if I ever... If I ever do, you know, I know that I can, uh, I can do it because, you know, even the frogs, you know, have a voice. Amen? <laughs> Amen to that. So uh, thank you so much for, uh, for you just using your gifts and talents to bless us and, and just bring us a little bit closer to, to God. Amen? Amen. So um, I am so glad to be back with you all. Uh, my wife and I were traveling a little bit. We went back to uh, Savannah, Georgia last weekend to uh, officiate a wedding. A young couple that I had the chance to counsel and kind of watch grow, you know, finally took that step to get married, and so we were there for that special moment. Uh, it was a it was a good trip, but we were very eager to get back home to Fort Collins, Colorado. Um, it was uh, it was also our first time traveling with a 13 month old. Um, you know, Lucia, she's had her plane trips before. She's you know had a, they gave her her wings a few times already. Um, but it's very different traveling, you know, when you're four or five months, you know, compared to 13 months. So uh, that being said, we're probably going to wait until she's, you know, 10 or 11 before we travel again. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, you don't really notice how small those seats are until you have a toddler on your lap trying to move around every which way. So, yeah, that was, it was a good trip. But, you know, we're very grateful that God allowed us to, to go and come back safely. Uh, with that being said, uh, we want to get into the message that I have for you this morning. Uh, our message is actually the final message in the series that we've been uh, studying together, Meals with Jesus, right? Looking into all the times that Jesus ate with people, why he did so, and all of the lessons that he shared. We've only scratched even just, uh, just a little bit of the surface of all of the things that we could talk about when it comes to Jesus and mealtimes. Uh, but today I want to share the very final message with you. So with that being said, I invite you to join me for a word of prayer, and we're going to get right into it. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I want to praise you so much for all the blessings that you've given to us this morning. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for the wonderful people that give of their gifts and of their talents uh, to just praise you and worship you and just use their talents to just bring us a little bit closer to your presence. And so, Heavenly Father, continue to bless those individuals and continue to bless this church as well. And as we dive into your word in this moment, Lord, I just pray that your presence will be with us. Lord, that you help us to be humble servants and help us to remember the humility that you showed when you died on the cross. This I pray in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. So I want us to... Um, to, to follow me in the book uh, of Luke. We're going to be in Luke chapter 14 for the majority of our time uh, this morning. Uh, Luke chapter 14, once again, we find Jesus uh, seated around the table eating with people. He had received an invitation from a Pharisee, and so once again, they are eating together, and he is once again taking this opportunity to share a lesson with them. One of those things that we see about Jesus that we have learned so far, and I hope you picked up on it, is that any time that Jesus was around people, any time that he ate with them, he not only did so to show, that, to show his grace and mercy and love and that anyone was invited and welcome in his presence, 
but he also did so because he wanted to share something important with them. He always, he always took that chance to challenge their faith a little bit more. And so he did that with the Pharisees. He did that with his disciples. He did that with people that uh, got the chance to eat with him every single day. So on this occasion, we see Jesus sharing a little bit on what it means to be uh, a good uh, to show a little bit of hospitality to those around you and wh- exactly what that means to him. Now, we've talked a- about what it meant, what hospitality meant to the Pharisees, right? You know, back then they were very particular about who could eat with them and, and who was allowed to come before them, who was not allowed. You know, they had those very strict rules. Now, Jesus comes and he turns that on his head a little bit. He says, no, actually, everyone is welcome before the presence of the Father. And so he, so today he wants to share a little bit about what it means to be hospitable. Now, Romans chapter 12, verse 13 says this about hospitality. It says, contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 2 says, do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. All right? So hospitality is something that is biblical. It is something that the Lord wants us to show to those around us. It is also a gift of the Holy Spirit. And if you have ever been around someone that has the gift of hospitality, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Because there are certain individuals that I admire so much that are very key to our church that have the gift of hospitality. And just being around them for even just a few minutes, you, you, you just feel welcome. You just feel warm. You know, you just feel nice because they know how to show that hospitality. Now, some of us have to work a little bit harder at being hospitable, right? Uh, some of us, you know, can be a little bit more introverted. And so, you know, to go out of our comfort zone and, and to even invite someone into our home, you know, our private space is, is a bit of a chore, right? Not, not, not that it's a chore, but it's, it takes us a little bit more to be able to do that extra step, right? But sometimes we do it and, you know, we, we do our very best, right? So hospitality is something that is very close to the heart of God as well. And so to dive into that, what it means to be hospitable, I want to share what it says in Luke chapter 14. So let's go to Luke chapter 14 and we're going to start in verse 7. And verse 7 starts with the following. It says, Now he told a parable to those who were invited. When he noticed how they chose the places of honor, saying to them, When you're invited by someone to a wedding feast, do not sit down in a place of honor, lest someone more distinguished than you be invited by him. And he who invited you both will come and say to you, Give your place to this person. And then you will begin with shame to take the lowest place. But when you are invited... Go and sit in the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he may say to you, Friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at a table with you. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Amen? Amen. So, what we have going on here is Jesus arrives at someone's home. And he looks, and of course, you know, Jesus was very observant. He looks around to see what everyone is doing. And he starts noticing that there are some people that when they come to this home of the Pharisee, they start to look for the places of the most honor, the most important seats in the house, the most important seats at the table. And he starts to see how they start to seek after these spots. And they want to be in the most important spots. They want to be in the most important spaces in that home. 
And he starts to see, Jesus starts to notice that they start to do all of this. And so he takes a moment to share a, a parable with them. And he tells them, when you, you know, and he tells them, you know, instead of going and looking for the most important spaces, why don't you go and look for the lowest seat? Because then in that case, when someone comes to you, the host of the home comes to you and says, you know, hey, you know, why don't you sit in one of these more special seats? Then it actually means a little bit more, right? Imagine yourself for a moment, right? You know, like I said, my wife and I had the chance to be at a wedding last weekend. And I remember one particular moment, we were in the rehearsal. And uh, I remember the bridesmaids, uh, you know, that, had, that were standing, you know, next to me. One of them turns to me and says, Pastor, just, I just want to let you know we're going to be in heels all morning or, or, or all afternoon. So I just, you know, keep it short. You know, whatever you're going to say, keep it short because, you know, we're going to be in a lot of pain. And I, and I remember turning to her and saying, you know what, this is going to be my special day, so I will take my time, all right? But no, you know, I was joking. It wasn't my special day. It was the bride's special day. <laughs> but imagine, imagine that, right? If you go to a wedding, you're invited to be there at a wedding, and that time comes for the reception, and instead of, you know, waiting to be seated, you go and you just stroll right in, and you go and sit right at the center table that is reserved for the bride and the groom, right? Imagine that. That is why typically when you get invited to a wedding, you know, you actually don't go and seat yourself. You know, someone else has already made those arrangements and you just kind of go and you discover, okay, where is it that I'm going to be seated, right? You kind of go and you wait till you are seated because none of us occupy that space of honor. But Jesus is, is sharing that there were some people that were doing exactly that. They were going into this, into this home. They were just, they were the guests, they were invited and they were choosing for themselves the places of the most honor. And Jesus says, you know what, you should actually be more willing to look for the most humble of spaces. So in order for us to be hospitable to those around us, we have to also share a level of humility. Right now, we have to be careful with that because there is a saying that goes, the thing about humility is that once you know you have it, you've lost it. Right? Because you, and, and, but, you know, humility is part of it. You know, how we treat others is a reflection of how we see ourselves. In this parable, commenting on what goes, what's going on around him, Jesus is reminding us that as his followers, we must be humble in our estimation of ourselves. All right? Can you imagine, you know, walking into, uh, into any space and thinking you are the most important person in that room, right? Only to realize that there is actually someone that's even more important than you, right? And they come in and, you know, then there's a whole scene. So what Jesus is saying to these people, you know, picking out the best seat for themselves is that it'd be better for them to be a little bit more humble and to choose the most humble of positions. So then when the host has the decision to kind of say, hey, you know what, why don't you come to this space? You know, it means a little bit more for them. It's a humiliating thing, right? When someone, when someone is proud, you know, of themselves and, you know, they think themselves the most important thing and they seat themselves at the place of honor only to realize that, you know, hey, you know what, you gotta be bumped down because you're actually not as special as you think you are, right? It's the most humiliating thing when that happens. But Jesus says that one of the most rewarding things is when you seat yourself in a humble position and the host comes over to where you are and says, you know what, actually I have a better place for you, right? Now that is something entirely different. Now that is saying something a little bit more uh, special. The trick is to not let that become a source of pride in our lives, right? Right? 
So the key to great hospitality, the very first thing, because all of us at one point or another are going to find ourselves in a position where we are going to be the guests, either at someone's home, at someone's church, or at someone's uh, place of work, wherever it may be, we are going to find ourselves in a position where we are the guests. And the, the key to being a good guest, or the key to great, showing great hospitality, is being a good guest. And that is what Jesus is trying to teach us in this parable. He says, don't assume a position of entitlement. The life of a Christian actually is to model the example of Jesus Christ and to model his life here on earth. And now when we look at Jesus' life, when we take a look at all of the things that he did, we see that never, he never took a moment to put himself in a position of entitlement, even though he was completely entitled to do so. His very birth, his very life, even the manner of his death, all showed humility, of never esteeming himself more important than anyone else. On the contrary, everything about his ministry said that everyone else was more important than him. Can you imagine that? The Son of God, who had every bit the right to come with a million angels and just take over and completely control everything that we see, instead says, my life is worth nothing compared to the life of my kids. That is something special. Now, it doesn't mean, of course, you know, that, that we don't have rights, you know, that need protecting and things like that. But what it does mean is that when we decide to live like Jesus, when we decide to be his disciples, we are assuming the same mission mindset that he had, that there are others that, more, that are more important than we are. And so when we, when we go through life and we see uh, people being mistreated, we see people being, you know, that, that people are walking over, it is our duty to show hospitality to those individuals. Because that is what Jesus did for us. To live like Christ means we also have to think about others before ourselves. And that is not the easiest thing to do. Because what comes naturally is we want to do what we want to do. We want to do what makes us happy. We want to do the things that bring us the most joy and fulfillment to our lives. But what Jesus is saying is that sometimes in our life, there's going to be moments where we have to put ourselves aside for the benefit of someone else. Now, I've had time to think about that a lot, right? And I remember or I recall some of the moments where that has been the most challenging. And it has always been when we are living, when we, are, when we have to live our Christian values the most before someone else. It's easy to be a Christian when we're here at church among other Christians. It's easy to, you know, to, to say the right things, to do the right things, to do all of those Christian things, because it's nice and easy to do that when we're here surrounded by people that we're comfortable with. But when it comes to be uncomfortable, is if you've ever been at, let's say, you know, the holidays, you know, Thanksgiving, uh, Christmas, you know, some of us travel, we go home, and we're part of families that maybe aren't Christians. You know, we're part of families that don't go to church, every, you know, every week, or we're part of, you know, maybe they do things that we would never do, right? And all of a sudden, there comes that temptation so that we don't stick out, so that we're not the weird ones Maybe we're tempted to say, you know what, let me just kind of lay aside that Christian thing for a moment, and let me be like everyone else, right, so that it can be a little bit easier for everyone. But in the long run, well, that might be, you know, in the short run, that might be all well and good, you know, it's, it saves us from maybe some uncomfortable conversations, 
But in the long run, it actually hurts our testimony even more. Because in the long run, what happens when those family members, all of a sudden, they want to come to church, or they want to be a little bit better Christians, or they want to study the Bible more, right? They want to do things a little bit better. All of a sudden, the example that you gave to them was that we can be Christian as kind of like a part-time thing. It's not really a full-time identity, right? So we actually hurt our testimony in the long run when we don't sacrifice a little bit of what uh, what is you know makes us happy in the moment for the benefit of someone else sometimes that'll affect the things that we eat sometimes that'll affect the the entertainment choices that we make all because we're trying to reach someone else and in our minds it has to be you know that that person's salvation that person's uh, example needs to be better than what i need at this moment and that was jesus's life that was jesus's ministry You know, he always esteems someone else as better than him. Philippians chapter 2 verses 3 to 4 actually echoes these same thoughts. It says, do not do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also the interests of others. Imagine that. Imagine what the world would be like if every single person took this verse to heart and instead of looking out just for number one, we looked out for the person that was next to us, right? We did things for the benefit of someone else. You know, one of the the kindest things that I've seen uh, in our time here at Fort Collins, um, I don't know if I shared this story before, maybe I did. Uh, A couple of weeks ago when we had, I think it was the second time, right before Thanksgiving, we had the snow. Right when snow came down, and uh, you know, uh, there wasn't uh, a lot of uh, methods, you know, or ways that we could come to church safely. So, you know, a lot of us stayed. But I remember my wife turning to me and said, "Hey, there's a shovel outside our door," and I was like, "That's weird. I haven't bought a shovel yet." And she's like, "Yeah, someone brought a shovel over," and I thought that was the kindest thing, right? You know that you know they took the the time to think on us. You know, like, oh, you know, they probably just got here. They probably don't have their snow supplies yet. You know thinking on that you know correctly because we didn't have everything we don't have everything still (laughs) right but they you know the they left a shovel for us to be able to kind of clear the path now they left the snow there but the shovel (laughs) was there too (laughs) all right you know so that that was kind of like the most important thing it's you know it was it was the kindest thing for us you know And and it showed us a little bit of what you know being a neighbor you know being a neighbor is a good neighbor is like it should be you know being hospitable to the people that are around you imagine if everyone did that right thought about someone else a little bit more than we think on ourselves so that is what jesus is how to be a good uh, a good um, guest now this parable that he shared he actually shared two Uh, And he was actually trying to talk to not just those that would be guests, but also those that would be hosts as well, too. Listen to Luke chapter 14, verses 12 through 14. It says, he also said to the man who had invited him, when you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. So he shares a little bit about what it means to be a good guest, but he also shares a little bit about what it means to be a good host. Now the attention is no longer then on on that part. You know, now he says, okay, if you want to be a good host, 
then the key to that, to key, the key to that hospitality is invite those or be with those or spend time with those that can't pay you back. Those that don't have the ability to pay you back. The poor people, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. Those are the ones that are mentioned in these verses. And so the group, the, the group that Jesus was speaking to was uh, exactly those people that they did all of these parties. They did all of these uh, fancy situations so that they could be repaid. That was the motive that they did all of this. In fact, Jesus was invited to the majority of these parties or to the homes of the Pharisees, not because they liked him, but because they knew that, oh, we have to have the best preacher at our house. So they invited him so that they could have a moment of prestige and say, oh, yeah, Jesus came to my house. It had nothing to do with getting to know Jesus. It had nothing to do with even serving Jesus, but everything to do with the motive of just honor and prestige. Jesus says, don't be like that. Instead, invite those that can't repay you. Invite those that when they come to your home, you know, people might say, oh, that's a little weird. You know, why are you inviting that person to your home? You know, those that can't repay you back either, you know, physically with, you know, inviting you over again or even in the, in the way of just honor and prestige. So they can say, oh, yeah, you know, they went to his house or, yeah, they came to my house. Invite those that don't have anything to give is what Jesus says. I like how Daryl Brock said it. He says, uh, the best hospitality is that which is given, not exchanged. Amen? Imagine if every Christian, we lived like that, right? Simply just for the, we do things just for the benefit of serving others. Now, we should be those kind of people. We should strive to be those kinds of people. We should strive to be a church that is welcome, that is welcoming to everyone, willing to invite anyone, no matter their status, no matter their situation. I remember uh, a pastor that shared a story uh, when he had just started at a church. And he, he wanted to get to know the people a little bit better. But he knew that as soon as he showed up, you know, in suit and tie and, you know, and say, you know, oh, yeah, I'm the pastor. You know, they would treat him a certain way. So he wanted to get to know the church exactly as they were. Uh, so what he did was he decided to dress up as a homeless person, right? You know, put on the most raggedy clothes and everything. He dressed up like that. He said, you know, I'm going to go to church like this. And so he shows up at the church, and he just curious to see how they were going to treat him. And um, to his surprise, no one really gave him not even the time of day. They kind of passed him by. No one said hello. No one said, hey, welcome. No one did anything like that. Uh, he, he actually had to find his own seat. He decided to sit in the back of the church because, you know, no one said, hey, you know, come up front, you know, um, or anything like that. You know, it was the most unwelcoming thing that he had ever experienced. So, you know, so they're going through, you know, their program, their service and everything. And they get, they get to the point, you know, I'm sure people had been trying to find him like, hey, you know, the pastor's supposed to be here. Has anyone seen him? No, I haven't seen him. Maybe he'll show up by the time he's supposed to preach. You know, I guess some pastors do that. Right. So he so that's what happened. You know, they went through their service. They come to the moment. They're introducing the pastor. They're introducing him and say, OK, you know, if uh, if you're here, you know, your time has come. And to their surprise, the homeless person stands up comes to the front and he says hello i'm gonna be your new pastor right and so to the shock of everyone right they're like oh my goodness you know we didn't even say hi to the pastor when he came you know but jesus says you know we should be hospitable to everyone no matter what they're wearing no matter what they look like and I hope that our church will, can be like that. I already know it is like that. But I hope we can, you know, continue to even push that even more. That anyone that comes to this church will feel welcome. And that we can be good hosts 
to those people. Because even though they can't repay us back, Jesus says we will get a repayment at the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen? So, um, hospital. I like how uh, Colin Cruz said it. He said it the following way. Hospitality, then, is something a person provides not for family or friends, but for strangers. They need such hospitality. Otherwise, they will be treated as non-human because they are potentially a threat to the community. Now, if we remember how we studied about, you know, the Pharisees and things like that, how they saw people back in the, those days, you know, how they treated strangers and those that were kind of like, you know, on the outskirts, the, on the fringes of society, they didn't want to be welcoming to them, right? In fact, to have someone that was either a leper, to have someone that was, you know, uh, classed as a sinner or a tactile or anything like that, to have any one of those individuals in your home was almost like inviting kind of like an impurity or tainting your home. Right, so it was a threat to their status, it was a threat to their way of living and, and their, their way of thinking too. But Jesus said, you know, invite those that even can't repay you back. Invite them and be a good host to them. So host, in order to be a good host, a faithful host, I would say, is host people, anyone, with no strings attached. Right? Invite people into your church, not expecting that, you know, that they'll do something for you in return, anything like that. Simply for the joy of having them with you. I know one of the things that, um, it's probably become more of just a, a trend or something to have, but um, many of us, you know, when you get a new home, one of the first things you have to get is a welcome mat, right? How many of us have a welcome mat in our homes right now? Okay, yeah, majority of us. Some of us probably don't, but that's okay. You know, uh, now it's kind of become uh, kind of like a trendy thing, you know, if you go to someone's home and you see their welcome mat, you know, sometimes it has like different decorations or different sayings. And you kind of get a little glimpse of the personality of, of the family before you even walk into their home, right? Because, you know, sometimes it could be fun or funny or things like that. So many of us have a welcome mat. And that welcome mat is supposed to symbolize, you know, that whoever steps foot on that mat is welcome into the home. Right? That's supposed to be what it's supposed to say. Now, unfortunately, because it has become something, you know, you, you get a welcome mat just to have a welcome mat, not necessarily to send any kind of message. All right? But sometimes you go to some homes that they have a welcome mat, but you can just tell you're not really welcome there, right? <laughs> you can just, just kind of get a vibe. You just kind of get a little bit of the energy, right? And, and that's unfortunate. You know, what does our welcome mat at church say about us? All right, does the welcome mat, when we come, when, we, when people come to our church, does it say, do they get the vibes of their welcome here, that they're family, that they can be part of this community? Or does it give that vibe, like, yeah, we have a welcome mat, but it's just really to have. You know, it's not because we really want anyone to come here, right? What exactly does our welcome mat say about us? I pray and I hope that our welcome mat will be that kind of welcome mat that Jesus can say, you know what, anyone is welcome at that church. What I love so much about the church in Acts is that very key phrase, that key verse that says, and Jesus and God added to them daily those that were being saved. Because they were the kind of people, they were the kind of group, they were the kind of church that God felt comfortable bringing anyone to them, right? And I hope that God can feel that way about us. That when he looks at the things that we do, the ministries that we have, I hope that he sees that everyone is striving to be a good host and to show hospitality to anyone so that he can feel comfortable bringing anyone to the doors of our church. These two parables talk about hospitality, right? And part of that being uh, showing hospitality is being humble, like we said before. Now, I remember a saying when I was younger that has always stuck with me, and it's a saying that says, God doesn't ask us to do anything that he hasn't done already first. 
right? And so when he asks us to be hospitable, when he asks us to be welcoming to those around us, when he asks us to sacrifice for those around us, when he asks us to be humble, is because he's already done that first. Listen to what Philippians chapter 2 verses 5 through 10 says. Have this mind among you, among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Amen. Jesus humbled himself for you and for me. Just like the song that Matthias sang said, right? It is because of us that Jesus decided to die the death of the cross. The verse says he emptied himself. He completely gave himself for us so that you and I can have a chance at salvation. He humbled himself, even though he didn't have to. He was born, even though, you know, the birth of the Son of God deserved so much praise and honor and circumstance and just deserved the highest amount of parades and aplomb and anything you can think of. He deserved that. But instead... The Bible says he was born in a manger, surrounded by animals, surrounded by a few just people that by chance, you know, had, had, had heard about his coming. And he wasn't surrounded by all of these things. He came in the most humblest of manners so that he could show us what it, what it truly means to be humble, what it truly means to sacrifice for those around us. And I'm so grateful to Jesus, so grateful for his gift of salvation. How many of us are grateful for that? Amen? Amen. So this December, as we're gathering around, you know, our families, as we gather around, you know, uh, around the different festivities, next week we're going to have a beautiful Christmas program that I am so excited to, to join. As we gather around all of these things, think about what Jesus has asked us to do, to be humble, to be hospitable. And he asked us to do that because he did it for us too. He died for us so that we could have salvation. He was born for us so that we could have someone to turn to in our moment of greatest need. And so may God add a blessing to us. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you so much for everything that you've done for us. Thank you, God, for your gift of your son, Jesus. That, Lord, it is just a, a testament to how humble and, and just amazing and loving and gracious you truly are to each one of us. Thank you for that wonderful gift. And as we gather our families and friends this December, Lord, around Christmas time, I just pray, Lord, that you help us to be good hosts, help us to be good guests. But more than anything, Lord, help us to show your character to those around us. If there's anyone, Lord, that is traveling and is, and is going to be met with a difficult situation simply because they are disciples for you, Lord, I pray that you give that person strength, that you pray, I pray that you give them wisdom to know what to say, to navigate conversations, and to just help us all to continue to be strong in what we believe and um, in the faith that we have in you, Lord. So thank you so much for being with us this Sabbath morning, and all this I pray in your name, Jesus. Amen.